How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Rebounding, there's Jazz on the push. Hill across the half line with 21. Off a Gobert pick. Stops for a three. Got it! George Hill! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 8th of February from New Orleans. What if a certain offseason move had never happened? Plus, get you ready for New Orleans. Are they an offensive or defensive team under Alvin Gentry? And the league is just a circus. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing great. Locked on NBA has Kevin Pelton for you, so you should probably stop what you're doing. Go download that and listen to that conversation instead. Uh, or you can stick with me. Today, as I mentioned, we'll touch a little bit on where the Jazz are right now. Uh, imagine if just for a minute or two, uh, as well as uh, look at some other items around the league uh, on today's show. This is Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto and Dan Spence. We appreciate Dan and his uh, continued sponsorship of the program and Jamalto, the global leader in digital security. It's fun to be associated uh, with them. I, I learned a lot, actually. It's, it's been one of the fun things for me. I, I was talking to another company uh, yesterday who does some solar stuff uh, and learned an awful lot about that business. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to mention I, I probably not going to mention their name. I don't want to have, I don't think, you know, they haven't bought advertising yet, and sponsorship yet, and I don't want to make them feel like they have to by me mentioning it. So that, but anyway, I always learn a lot from uh, these companies, and I get a little extra knowledge and uh, things of that nature, so it's it's cool. Uh, Jamalto is the digital uh, global leader in digital security. I didn't I didn't know much about digital security. I would have I would have thought you protected the perimeter of everything, and yeah, absolutely the not the way to do it. What I've learned from Dan and people at Jamalto is the way that you do it is you protect, uh, understand that the the bad guys, the the, the varmints, the the mean little suckers are going to get inside. They're going to get there. They're going to get through. They're like they're like mice, and then you got to have the traps. In there, you got to have your stuff protected so that they don't, once they get into the house, that they don't get anything important. And then they protect your data. It's like you got to have, the Jamalto's got to be the Rudy Gobert around the rim. You can't prevent uh, people from n- getting inside the three-point line in the NBA. That's kind of what I learned about it. So uh, what Jamalto does then is then they protect your data at rest. They protect your IP, uh, whatever financial information, credit card information, social security, all the other data you, your company has, uh, they protect that, and then they, they do it in a three-step process, uh, which is they uh, they use some secure and managed crypto keys, and then they control access and protect identities so that, uh, you know, really, actually, the way it was described to me, I was like, well, what happens if someone has access and they lose their cell phone? Well, you, you have a system, I mean, as simple as that, that where they lose something, you know, their computer gets stolen or I guess you could fire them. you got to have it set up so that the individual then gets can be cut off and your system is built to that level of micro 
focus. Anyway, that's what I learned. I guess I just did my Jamalto uh, sponsorship. Didn't wasn't really planning on it, but just I, I thought it was interesting. So Dan Spence is at eight oh one five four oh thirty twenty four. That's eight oh one five four oh thirty twenty four and you can reach Dan at Dan dot Spence at Jamalto dot com. Maybe you'll find it as interesting as I do. All right, let's get it started. We we always start with pins across the world and uh, then we'll jump over and uh, touch on, on a few things on the show today uh, and look around the NBA because it's just wacky, wild, crazy, insane uh, circus-type uh, things taking place. So uh, let's do that. All right. Our pins across the world, you can always send me yours at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 uh, at gmail.com. And let's head over to John King. Uh he says, what does he say? He says, my pin disappeared right after you said, touched, clicked on it. There we go. Uh, John King says, can this one from the King family, uh, rather than an individual? I've listened to Locked on Jazz daily, way back to before the first daily Devar. Appreciate your insights. Listen to your radio call even when watching the game. We appreciate that. Hopefully you don't inhale all of this praise too deeply. I do not. There's enough other stuff that comes my direction. I would love to provide a pin from some exotic corner of the world, I've, and I've lived in some. Uganda for a year. Yeah, that would do it. But I can't live in those faraway places and reasonably be jazz season ticket holders, so our pin will have to be from the plain old Wasatch Front. As a very young and just barely married to the woman most often called Grandma now, and I, Grandpa, were in Salt Palace October fifteenth, 1979 for the first ever Utah Jazz regular season game. That's awesome. If you're wondering how the Jazz figured in our lives in the 37-plus years since then, telling you that we have a grandson named Stockton is probably good enough. We have all the usual great and not-so-great memories. We became season ticket holders to save money. We promised the kids that they'd be in the Delta Center for the John Stockton retirement jersey. The difference between season ticket holder price for tickets for that game and the non-season ticket holder price more than paid for season tickets. We've had them ever since. We love to see the Jazz win it all, but have never forgotten what Stockton said when he retired, and that's about giving it your all. Sorry, there's a, they could not hit. There was a uh, sunbeam that come, came right in at that moment. So let's start that sentence again. We'd love to see the Jazz win it all, but we never forgotten what Stockton said when he retired, that it's all about giving your all to what you are pursuing and being content with knowing you did its absolutely best that you could. That's all any of us should ever aspire to do. No idea what the future will bring, but we look forward to seeing it unfold as part of the great jazz community. That's from John C. King in Layton, Utah, jazz season ticket holder who was at the very first game. That's a great pin. Please send me yours, dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. Has anyone taken a moment to consider the trade the Jazz made two days before the NBA draft? Like, what happens if we don't have George Hill? Like, Dennis Lindsay probably should win Executive of the Year for that move all by itself. I mean, it's really incredible. When you consider... Well, we were in Atlanta last night, and you had to have Atlanta be willing to move Jeff Teague and not want a point guard back. And then you had to have the uh, Pacers 
decide that they're done with George Hill because he's not enough of a playmaker. Which you know what, frankly, he's probably not. He doesn't do. He doesn't make open opportunities for his teammates at any incredibly alarmingly high rate. He's just a hell of a good basketball player. And then you had to be the Jazz had to be willing to trade a first round draft pick, uh, which is you know are more valuable today with the salary cap in that offseason we just had than probably ever before. And so there's a lot to what took place there. But the idea, that, and I said this at the time, and I went just bananas when the Jazz acquired George Hill, because in my mind there were only two players. Well, first thing was, I didn't think the Jazz could go into the season with Dante Exum as their point guard. And that has turned out to be true. That what what Dante is embarking upon, which is to return from an ACL while having absolutely no understanding of who he is as a player yet. That's that's the real tragedy to his ACL injury, is that he got injured at a stage prior to discovering who he is as a basketball player. And so he doesn't have anything to understand. Is he a driver? Is he a shooter? Is he a distributor? Is he Ricky Rubio? Is he, who is he, what's he trying to be as a player? I don't think he has any idea. And so to suddenly have asked him to start again and have that uh, would just be too much. I mean, and, you know, we saw Shelvin give what I thought was pretty impressive effort uh, at that task, but that's not enough either. So first thing was simply that the Jazz had to go get a starting point guard. They're 12-12 and 12 when George Hill doesn't play. They're 21-7 and 7 when he does. They're 18-4 and 4 when both George and Gordon play. He's The second part was... The, the, uh, the point guards that were going to be moved, this was the deal. And Dennis Lindsay had a good enough relationship with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and connection with Larry Bird that he knew that the Jazz wanted to be involved in George Hill that when Mike Budenholzer suddenly voiced to Larry Bird a willingness to move Jeff Teague and Larry Bird jumps on it, that Dennis Lindsay had communicated enough interest in George Hill that that's where that phone call goes. I mean, that's just the due diligence of doing your job and being on top of it and being available and then being willing to trade your first-round pick, not being being willing to give up an asset. That, that's the problem with the trade market right now in the NBA is that no teams are willing to give up assets. Everyone wants to, you know, You'll hear in the Kevin Pelton podcast, I have a pretty strong take on Sacramento uh, on Locked on NBA with, on what I think you know their situation is. Uh, I, I just People are overcomplicating things. But the Jazz situation was simply, they, they couldn't leave without a point guard. There weren't any in free agency. Goran Dragic wasn't being moved. Uh, actually having a point guard that doesn't have to have the ball all the time would be a good idea. The Jazz play Drew Holiday tonight, who's terrific, but on the other end, New Orleans passes the second least of any team in the NBA on drives. 
So when Drew Holiday drives, he's scoring. He's not passing. Their eyes are not out. Their eyes are in. Watch that tonight. They pass the second fewest of any team in the NBA. The other one is Anthony Davis doesn't pass. Anthony Davis gets the ball on the elbow. Only Carmelo Anthony passes less than Anthony Davis of the top 50 guys in the league who have elbow touches. So Carmelo gets the ball on the elbow and I saw what Carmelo is happening. You know, that's where maybe Phil's right on some of this stuff. Wow, the show's like all rolling together now. The And then secondarily, uh, Anthony Davis is second. So back to where I started before we then move on to the other stuff is is just the idea that the Jazz found a way to go get George Hill to me can't be talked about enough. Just simply not enough credit can be given to to Dennis Lindsay for getting that deal done. Just take a moment and consider if it doesn't get done. And we're Gordon's probably not an all star. Rudy's not who he is. You know, Rudy's Rudy's sudden ability to catch the ball is Rudy. It's also who's throwing the passes. Right? Better players are throwing better passes to Rudy. That's an enormous part of of why Rudy has gotten so much better. Defensively, the Jazz are still great. And and we might, you know, the Jazz have the third best net differential in the NBA. I mean, I finally talked to part of the podcast with Pelton about this. I don't know what that entirely means. It doesn't do anything for you. But we're really good. Like, really good. Uh, the question coming into the season was, okay, are the Jazz good enough? You know, are they a playoff team? Yes. Are they good enough to compete on with the top three in the West? The, at the time, the top three, well, there was the top one, the Warriors, and then the Spurs and the Clippers. And what turned out is that there was the top two, and then with injuries and everything else, the, the Jazz are... And the Spurs, excuse me, the Clippers have all moved in the same group. And other Jazz, so yes, so really the Jazz are a tier two Western Conference with tier one being the Spurs and the Warriors. This team's really, really good, and it's just awesome to be a part of. Uh, two New Orleans tonight, maybe based on some of the numbers I just gave you. New Orleans is a defensive team, not an offensive team. Uh, really interestingly, they're the eighth best defensive team in the NBA. Not necessarily because of great rim protection or anything of that sort. Uh, Anthony Davis is 50% at the rim compared to Rudy, like 43. Uh, But they are the eighth-ranked defensive team in the NBA over the last 20 games. They're seventh. Uh, So they're very good at defending the corner three. They're not great at... They're good at defending the three, but they're not great at denying you from getting it. They are... uh, they're kind of they're just playing kind of a basic shell defense. Uh, offensively, they're terrible. They've lost four or five overall. They're twenty sixth in the league offensively in the last twenty games. Twenty seventh in the league for the season, so nothing has changed. Drew Holiday is on fire. Last eight games, he's shooting fifty five percent from the field and forty five percent from three and twenty four points a game. And Anthony Davis is on fire. Anthony Davis is. 20, career high twenty eight points and career high twelve rebounds and uh, but there, isolation. Keep an eye on this isolation. He drives seventy percent of the time, 
And then secondarily, you want him, when he goes to the block, you want him to face up and shoot. Uh, if if he shoots and no drive on a wing ISO, he's 8 of 20. And on the left block where he plays most often, he'll face up and drive baseline. If you can get him to shoot, he's 4 of 15. So keep an eye on that. That's kind of where the Jazz uh, sit with both those guys. Uh, the NBA as a whole right now is just nuts. It's kind of awesome, but it's nuts. Uh, Phil Jackson has waged war on Carmelo Anthony. They're going to move him. It's going to it's gonna be really interesting. It's pretty clear that he is doing everything he can to force Carmelo, and he wants to, Phil, Phil has screwed up the Knicks, and he's trying to make Carmelo the scapegoat. And I'm not sure he's going to win this battle. Carmelo is really handling it very well. Carmelo has been polite, class, appropriate, said he wanted to stay. They can't get anything for him, though. And so Phil's approach, right now they get Austin Rivers and Jamal Crawford and Wesley Johnson for him. What's going on is that Phil is trying to get him to waive a new trade clause so he can open up more trade partners by embarrassing him on a daily basis. It's not particularly classy. Vladi Divac says there's no scenario where he's trading DeMarcus Cousins. It's usually the precursor to a trade, but we'll see whether or not that happens. Evan Turner broke in hand last night for Portland. Not entirely sure whether that's good or bad news for them. They did beat Dallas in the game. And by the way, uh, if Miami wins tonight, they will be the first team ever in NBA history to win 11 straight games and still be under 500. To win 11 straight games and still be below 500. They are 22 and 30 right now. The 96 97 Suns won 11 in a row at the end of their season to get to 38 and 39. They actually never got to over 500. I'm not sure if the of this team does. Goran Dragic has been uh, just brilliant. So it's a heck of a story. Eric Spolstra is taking a lot of heat as a head coach along the way. Scotty Brooks is taking a lot of heat as a head coach along the way. Maybe, maybe be careful when the media decides that somebody can't coach, whether they're actually um, a good coach or not. Maybe sometimes... Uh, the media doesn't actually know. That's that's always. I, I am I'm not a believer in the idiot theory. I'm not a believer that somebody out there you you're listening to you that they're an idiot. I'm not a believer in that in regards to uh, uh, whether I, I I just don't believe that period, frankly. Um, so that's very much. Uh, I don't believe it politically. I don't believe you know. Oh, well, he doesn't know. He's, no, no, they know exactly what they're doing every step of the way. Uh, and these coaches don't get to this point. Every now and then there can be someone who's pretty far over their skis, and I'll still bet you that they have some things uh, that they do well. All right, that is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Jazz and the Pelicans postcast afterwards. I will have an empty the noggin. Sorry I didn't have that for you in Atlanta. Uh, Jazz game rewind after each and every game as well. It is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Go check out Locked on NBA with Kevin Pelton.